0: Welcome to The Pain of Scale, the Notion podcast exploring the most critical challenges for venture-backed tech entrepreneurs along the startup, grow-up, and scale-up journey. Every two weeks, we speak to founders, experts, and venture capitalists from around the world about their experiences. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, I'm
1: very good, thank you. And yourself?
0: Very good. I'm seeing, because you guys don't know, but we have, of course, a video feed to look at each other. And uh, you're not in your usual setting, because you seem to be in a hotel room somewhere.
1: (laughs) No, actually, I'm in the office of a company in um, Frankfurt. We've just completed a a new investment. I'm kind of hoping it will have been announced by the time this is released, but (laughs) it might not be. So I'm just going to keep quiet. Congratulations
0: in advance, or maybe late by the Time this goes out. But, uh, Maybe. Guys, if you want to know which one it is, you just go on notion.vc and you'll know for sure about it. So let's go into the meat of this episode. What are we going to talk about today, Stephen?
1: This is one of my favorite topics. I think I do say that quite a few times, though. Um, <laughs> but it, this is the fourth episode in this current series, Pain of Scale. And what we're going to be talking about today is broadly how do you define a vision and execute a strategy to carry an entire industry? And when you think about any venture-backed or transformational technology business that's doing something entirely new or entirely different, you know, not just a, a better way of doing something, then their ability to, to shape a vision, really tell a compelling story, and then create the connection between the two is absolutely critical. And um, I don't think there are many people better to discuss this with than our guest today, who's Sarika Garg from TradeShift. TradeShift was founded in Denmark in 2009. Three Danes, Christian Lang, Michael Hipperbrunn, and Gert Silvest. And their vision right back in that day was to connect every company in the world to create economic opportunity for all. Notion led the Series A in 2011, prior to the business relocating to San Francisco. Um, Sarika, I believe, joined in 2015. She's now responsible for strategy, reporting to Christian Lang, who's the CEO. The business is well on its way to achieving that grand vision. It's recognized as a unicorn. It's recognized as a global leader in business commerce and supply chain payments. And so I think one of the best examples of European companies really kind of transforming an entire industry. So Sarika, welcome. Thank you very much for for joining us.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to do this podcast today.
1: Thank you. Well, so let's jump straight in. I mean, that's a huge vision, isn't it? connecting every company in the world to create economic opportunity for all. You know, it's perhaps bigger than any other technology company in the world today. Can you give us an insight into the scale of the problem you're solving and the value you can create for the global economy if you even get close to delivering on the vision as communicated by Christian?
2: So, Stephen, you know, business is always personal to me. So I always measure the impact on, you know, how can I personally relate to it? So a little bit about myself, I I grew up in India and in Africa. And as a child, I saw, you know, small businesses in these countries, including my dad's, really struggled because they didn't have access to capital. And I've lived in the U.S. for the last 22 years. Now I go back to India, I see that little towns and, you know, my cousins and friends who lived in pretty isolated towns where there was barely any email are now completely connected. They're connected with WhatsApp and text, and that's changed their lives dramatically and really improved their lives. And what I see with TradeShip, what we're trying to do is the same. This time, you know, WhatsApp, for example, connected people, we are trying to connect companies on a global platform for global trade. And a vision like that can actually help to change the GDP of countries, in fact. So by connecting companies of the world, On a common platform, you get these unprecedented opportunities, both for big and small companies. So there are two sort of questions that you have to ask or that we ask ourselves. One is, in our daily lives, in our personal lives, we've switched from buying from our corner store to actually buying from marketplaces such as Amazon. Why hasn't the B2B shifted to that world as well yet? The second question that we ask ourselves is, why can't we actually offer every single business regardless of who they are, where they're located, access to cheaper capital, because we know so much about them on this common platform in terms of history and data. And both access to capital and growth of business, these are multi-trillion dollar opportunities. So we actually see a complete path to make this vision a reality. It takes many years. We've been working at this for 10 years now, and, and it'll take another 10 years to actually, you know, get to the full realization of this.
1: And we talked about the importance of bridging the gap between mm-hmm. the vision and today. And, and I think you, you talk about the concept of, of value ladders. And that was the first time I'd heard that phrase when we, we talked about this a few months back. Can you tell me what you mean by that and why they're so important to you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we sell to Fortune 500 companies. And when we talk to our customers, they get it. They quickly buy into our vision. They buy into the vision of why marketplaces and end-to-end payments are the future. But however, when we look into their business, we find that oftentimes these businesses, these large companies are still immature in their digital transformation journey. So if you think about any procurement department or finance function in a company, it's often the place where the tools are not the best. Where paper is still kind of the format of working, Uh, I think there's a statistic about how pretty much 90 plus businesses in America still actually pay their vendors by check. And so what we said is, okay, so if our customers buy into the vision, we want to take them onto this journey. This journey, we can actually split it into pieces, which we call the value ladder or ladder steps. So the first thing in this value ladder, the steps are, let's actually just help you fill your most pressing gaps that you have in your organization. Then let's actually get you operationally efficient. So let's get rid of paper, get rid of unnecessary processes. And then lastly, you will be ready to take strategic advantage of the foundation that you've built. And that's when you can actually become a marketplace or you can actually start making money for your business by uh, using financing. So we, we're actually on a mission to take every procurement finance department and take it from an efficiency play to a strategic play. And the value ladder becomes a tool for us to help companies do that.
1: I think you, um, you've been working, haven't you, with uh, the Chasm Group. And, uh, you know, I remember reading Crossing the Chasm probably, gosh, late 90s. 96, 97, something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, as well. No. <laughs> wow.
1: Jeffrey Moore was one of my heroes back in the day, and he's still a profound influence on the, on the technology industry. But could you tell us a little bit about the process you went through with the Chasm Group and, and, and the yeah. impact that they've had?
2: So Jeffrey Moore is one of my heroes too. And in fact, even though Crossing the Chasm is a pretty old book, it has uh, definitely stood the test of time. And we use it as a Bible, even at Trade Shift. It's, it's a defining book which really helps businesses to actually establish themselves, find product market fit, and then scale from that. So it it truly has been a Bible. In fact, we are actually in in some ways such fans of Jeffrey Moore's work that uh, a couple of years ago, we also adopted the framework from his book, Zones to Win, which helps companies focus and prioritize. So like every startup, we struggle with having many, many opportunities and many choices. And we use this framework to actually help us make choices and sometimes hard choices of where to focus the company on. But maybe that's for another podcast. We can talk about that. In terms of engaging with the Chasm Group, understanding the body of work that Jeffrey Moore and his team could do with us, we engaged with Chasm Group in November last year. And they came in. They've actually literally worked with some of the most sort of defining companies off Silicon Valley in the last 20 years. So they're very, very experienced. And the first thing they came in, they they did 50 plus interviews with our customers, with our partners, employees, even investors. And based on that, they actually laid out some concrete recommendations for us in the next three months. So maybe a few things that came out of that were, you know, they validated what we're doing. They, They helped us actually define the value ladders We talked about outcome-based selling, focusing on industry verticals. So there were multiple recommendations they did to us, and it was very, very impressive, the work we did with them.
1: And are you able yet to quantify and qualify the impact from uh, your company performance and the the value to your customers as well?
2: We are still implementing and executing on, on a lot of the recommendations made, but we can feel the change internally. It's brought us clarity on our strategy of how we want to drive things. The value ladders, which was one of the outputs of this, we have tested this with market, are now using it in market, and we see a dramatic improvement in customers understanding us at all levels. So you know, right from the CEO to the VP of financing to the person in the back office, they all now get what trade shift can actually do for them.
1: I've come back to the the zones to win. I think that it is a, a profoundly simple but but very impactful kind of mental model for yes. thinking about the business so yeah I, I would definitely like to come come back to you on that. One of the things that w- we've talked about quite a few times within our portfolio is this concept of category creation and you know defining the industry that you're creating and you guys are doing something fundamentally different. You take a slightly different approach, so rather than naming the industry, you focus on the impact that you have on the the customers. Is that the right way of of thinking about?
2: Yeah. And And, actually, let me uh, share with you how foundationally we think of this. So, And it's taken us uh, actually a couple of years to come to that. So we always knew we were breaking what they call the P2P category or the P2P box. P2P stands for procure to pay. And it was defined 30 years ago by SAP and Ariba. And uh, this category still lives on and companies still implement solutions based on this category. And we always knew we were disrupting this category completely. But the question always was, how do we do that? You know, do we say, hey, we don't belong here. Do we create our own category? So we actually spent some time in the last couple of years studying category design. In fact, I read and engaged with Play Bigger book and team that was introduced to us by Stephen Chandler. So from Notion Capital, one of your colleagues, and really tried to figure out, should we actually go out in the market and say, hey, we have this new category and this is what we stand for. And we ultimately decided what was right for us was really to focus on the problems we were solving for customers and not worry too much about categories. And I think the sort of fundamental belief that we hold is you find markets for products that you create. So the most important thing is identify the market that for the product that you're trying to create. And then you find the existing category that you're disrupting. And if you can convince customers that you're solving their problems in better ways, then automatically a new category will emerge and will get created as other players start trying to follow you. Let me give you like a couple of concrete examples. So remember Segway, right? came out, what, 15, 20 years ago? What they did is they tried to create a new category, but they couldn't really decide what they were disrupting. Who were they? Were they a bike or were they a scooter? Were they a car? And ultimately, I think the market was confused about what they were trying to do. Tesla, on the other hand, when they came out with their car, they squarely went after the car market. So, yeah, EV was a differentiation, but they didn't start out by saying that they were trying to create a new category. Now we see a new category of EVs that's emerging, but Tesla is squarely going after the car market. So I think it's more important to identify the market and go after it rather than trying to define uh, the category right from the start.
1: Yeah, there are different ways of thinking about it. And, and but I think the, the focus on impact and outcome is a very profound one. And, and obviously, it's all well and good having the strategy and thinking, but actually, combined with that, you've got to be able to execute upon this to deliver on those those outcomes. Maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the changes you've made within the organization. I and mean, I think you also were another business partner of ours, Winning by Design, but I'm sure there's others too. Maybe you could give us a few examples about how you've align your execution with strategy?
2: So Stephen, you're absolutely right. It's it's about outcomes and creating impact. So one of the things that we've aligned on is we want to do outcome-based selling. So we don't want to sell products. We want to sell outcomes for our customers. And Jaco has been a friend of mine for many years, and uh, super talented. I, I don't know if you've sat through one of his seminars. They're they're fantastic. Many, very entertaining. many,
1: many. <laughs> van der Kooij, yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> so if you think of Chasm, so if Chasm is helping us define our strategy, Winning by Design or Jaco's team is training our marketing and sales team to execute on this strategy. And that is all about outcome-based selling. So Jaco uh, works very, very closely on a pretty regular basis with our sales marketing team to help us execute on on our strategy. We have uh, some other streams that we have started after the work we've done with Chasm. We're talking about outcome-based implementation as well. So it's not enough to just market and sell outcomes. Then you have to implement outcomes as well through your professional services and onboarding teams and actually even support teams. So we've actually taken what Jaco has been doing for us and extended that to all parts of our organization to get to the best results we can for our customers.
1: He really emphasizes the importance of the speed to impact. Yes. You know, the quicker you can achieve that within the customer life cycle, the better.
2: Yes, agree.
1: It's interesting obviously you, you're operating at a fairly high degree of scale with some very significant customers. If you were kind of taking yourself back to a ten million ARR business, how would you then recommend yourself to approach the kind of the strategic challenges you're now facing at, at scale? What, what groundwork would you like to have done, and what recommendations would you give to early stage founders and leaders?
2: Yeah, they always say, you know, twenty twenty is hindsight, so. Uh, it's uh, You always learn so much on the way, and we've had some tremendous learnings on the way in our journey as we've grown and expanded significantly. So I actually personally try to actually spend some time and advise startups who are in that phase to help them with things that I've learned on the way. So a couple of uh, companies that I've been helping to advise, you know, one is called File. It's an expense management company. The other one is called Cleared In, which is email security. Both of these are uh, relatively small companies right now. And my, I think, central advice to them has been focus on figuring out where you can partner to complete a solution in the market. So what I mean by that is, if you're an expense management company, how can you partner with a player where you complete their solution? So in Files case, you know, can they partner with banks? So you can actually have a banking partner with an expense management solution connected with that. Or with ClearedIn, which is an email security company, can you partner with Google or Outlook to provide email security? So hook yourself to where the market already is. I think the central point of this is always identify and be obsessed with the market and figure out ways you can actually have early successes and uh, acceleration in your business you know worry about category creation or things that we are working on right now in a in a future date and and in some ways we started the work of chasm the value ladders in year nine or ten of our journey and that's exactly when it should be done not earlier than that
1: interesting that actually that kind of whole product strategy is classic crossing the chasm, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's right, really. I mean, it's one of the seminal points of that book. I'm going to have to go back and, and reread it. Well, Sarika, it's just been a, a fantastic conversation. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see, if I look at what TradeShift's done in the last 10 years, I, I'm, I'm just excited to see what you will achieve together in the, in the next 10 as you go on to deliver on that, that vision to connect the world for, for economic value for all. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. We've got, Paul, some some great interviews coming up. The next one oh, on, know, yeah. from this is a similarly extraordinary story. When we, we talked uh, to Mark Roberge, who who's the former CRO of HubSpot, about his journey and his insights in growing a sales organization from zero to 400 people and a revenue line from zero to 100 million in in a very, very short order. And then some great interviews and podcasts coming up after that. But um,
0: Sarika, again, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure.
2: Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much. See you guys in two weeks. Remember, you can find an in-depth write-up of this interview, along with the dozens and dozens we've done, on the Notion website at notion.vc, under Resources, if you like the show, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and Google Podcast. Thank you.